Um, kind of a weird morning already. We, we had our online platform, it kind of crashed on us. So people are joining right now through Facebook Live right here. Uh, as Matt says, when technology's working, it's great. When it's not, well, here we are. So, um, hey, good to have you guys online. Hopefully you guys are joining us and getting in here with us. Um, so, yeah, uh, real quick, uh, one thing I forgot to say is uh, we, we are doing a, a, a voting right now for our budget that we're passing through and stuff, and I think that we forgot to announce that, but Brian Sewell has those ballots, so if you're a church member and you're wanting to vote on that, uh, he will be outside right after service. You can go catch him and make sure you do that. So I will say, I looked over and I looked around when the children's song was going. I know, I know you guys are a little scared because you're Baptists, but you can move, okay? You know that in church, right? I mean, you guys are like, what's going on? Listen, hey, we can get after it, all right? So it's good to have you guys all. Uh, we are wrapping up our series in Gideon, and, and this is my favorite part of the whole book. Uh, we're bringing it all together. And so we will be in Judges 6 actually today. We'll be wrapping up our series. And uh, as I said, Gideon is a story about redemption, and I'm going to show that to you today. Uh, in case you're wondering, I'm excited as well about our sermon series starting next week. We're starting Ecclesiastes, right? Nothing more uplifting than Ecclesiastes. Uh, but we're starting a new series through the book of Ecclesiastes called Chasing Meaning. Uh, and uh, you want to be here, and kids, you want to be here as well, because you are going to help me with my sermon next Sunday, and so I need you here. If you're going to be here, uh, be ready for that. You're going to help me hit home my sermon, and if you make noise today, listen, whatever your parents say, give you a scout, it's okay. You can make noise during my sermon. I think that's a way of saying amen. Some of your parents won't say it, so you do it for them, okay? You're not going to bother me one bit, so that's all good stuff. So hopefully you have your Bible to Judges as we wrap up the series, and hopefully it's been good for you. Uh, Judges chapter 6, but as we're getting there, I want to open with this question, discuss with one another, and online you can chat and discuss with people on the Facebook live chat right there. Here's a question I want to ask you, okay? Last week we asked, said, what's your favorite kid song you remember? I want to step it up a notch, okay? This week, this week, what is your favorite kids movie of all time? Now, if you're a parent, you've seen more than you've ever thought. I have every line of Frozen memorized. I never thought I'd be able to say that in life, and Little Mermaid. So whatever it is right now, with, with the people you're with, what is your favorite kids movie of all time? I'll give you just a second. Go. I hope you guys learned something about each other. Um, some of you are like Della Absher and go, what's a kid's movie? Um, uh, listen, it's, it's the thing that looks like a cartoon and you watched it, maybe not. Uh, if not, we need to expose some of that. Uh, I don't know what's your favorite kid's movie of all time. Uh, I, mine's rapidly changed with my kids because my, my kids, I don't know if you're like this or whatever, but my kids get on one movie fix and we have to watch it at least 100 times before we're done with it. And not just 100 times, but 100 times in a row. Like it's like, all right, we're done, we'll start it back over. I think we missed something, we'll start it back over. And, and by the end, you're like, I'm so sick of this. But, but the one that my kids picked that I loved watching over and over, and I don't know why, I just enjoyed it, was Wreck-It Ralph. Have any of you guys seen that? I love Wreck-It Ralph, and I don't know why. It was just one that I just enjoyed the whole idea of Wreck-It Ralph, but one of the interesting things in Wreck-It Ralph, if you've never seen it, is there's a character, she's kind of a co-character or whatever, uh, uh, the supportive character in this thing called Vanellope Von Schweetz. You remember her? Now, Vanellope Von Schweetz is an interesting character in this movie because there's something wrong with her. She has, uh, 
She has a glitch, let's just say that. And uh, I'll show the clip so you can kind of get to know her a little better. So go ahead and show that clip if you can. Oh, Vanellope, it's so you, but you have to back out of the race. Yeah. Oh, no, I, I don't, you know, because I, I paid my fee and I'm on the board. So, yeah, I'm definitely racing. Yeah, well, King Candy says glitches can't race. I'm not a glitch, Dad. I've just got Pixlexia, okay? The rules are there for a reason, Vanellope. To protect us. Say I'm you. I'm in my weird little car, and I'm driving, and I actually feel kind of cool for once, and then all of a sudden, oh no, I'm gl 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 glitching! Hey! See? You're an accident, just waiting to happen. Oh no! I gl 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 glitched too! I'm cool. You're brave and glitchy. Oh, please. I just want to race like you guys. You will never be a racer because you're a glitch. And that's all you'll ever be. Such a sad thing, isn't it? Such a sad. What are pe people are so mean in Candyland. Like, what's going on with those people there? Like, I, I love it, and I love she tries to explain it off. It's pixelexia, and like it's, it's like a thing she makes up. It, it's funny sometimes how when our mistakes or our weaknesses, things that we just want to fit in, we, we try to cover up, we try to hide, we try to pretend they don't exist. We we sometimes desperately just want people to like us or just to be like everyone else. But let's be honest, all of us have something that's kind of a glitch, right? Whether it's a character flaw, whether it's a sin or something we're dealing with, there's something about us that we're like, you know what? There's an area of my life that I want to pretend isn't there, and I would love to just be normal, right? And what I love about the story of uh, Wreck-It Ralph is there's this theme of redemption in it, which also ties in what we're talking about today. But redemption means this, in case you're wondering. It's a very biblical term that is used often. It means to buy back as in freedom or, or to pay the price or penalty. It means to like reclaim possession or to restore. It's, in its origins, it was used for prisoners of war. When they were taken, they would go and redeem their soldiers to bring them back out of their prison, prison endangerment and stuff like that and trade soldiers and stuff like that. Later, it was used in terms of slavery. So people who put themselves in forms of slavery, they would be redeemed and earn back their freedom or get back their freedom. In the Bible, it's the Old Testament, it's God that constantly comes and redeems his people. You, you look all throughout. Matter of fact, the whole book of Judges is about that. The people constantly forget about God and they leave him and suddenly get in some sort of bondage, some sort of slavery. They cry, cry, cry out to God and God sends a judge to redeem them. In the New Testament, it's Jesus Christ's death on the cross that redeems us from our sin and our bondage. And why I bring that up is because... Gideon, I've been saying week after week, is a story of redemption, and I want you to see it, and the big idea I want you to see that hopefully will make more sense at the end is God redeems us in our wine press. That sounds weird, right? But I think to understand that, you have to see how Gideon starts and finishes to appreciate that. And so if you have your Bible, we're going to look at, start at Judges chapter 6, verse 11 through 16. I know we've read it, but again, you have to see the bookends of the Bible, of the story of Gideon to appreciate what's going on. So Judges chapter 6, verse 11 through 16, again, is where we first meet and see Gideon. And before that, if you don't know, the people have rebelled against God. God has sent judgment on them, and they've been getting conquered and, 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 and uh, just oppressed by these Midianite people. And so verse 11, it says, The angel of the Lord came to him, being Gideon, set under the oak that was in Ophrah, which belonged to Joash the Abezerite. said his son Gideon was threshing wheat in the winepress in order to hide it from the Midianites. 
Now, I shared with you before about you don't, you don't thresh wheat in a wine press. You press wine in a wine press. A wine press would have been a deep valley where there would be no wind. It would be a place where the wine would naturally flow. Threshing wheat would have been done on top of a hill where you'd throw it up and, and, and the, the wheat would fall down and the thrash would fly off. And so he's doing something out of norm. This is not the way it should be done. Verse 13, he said, Gideon said to him, Please, my Lord, if the Lord is with us, he said, well, Why has all this happened? And where are all his wonders that our fathers told us about? They said, hasn't the Lord brought us out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and handed us over to Midian. The Lord turned to him and said, go in the strength you have and deliver Israel from the grasp of Midian. I am sending you. Gideon's like, hey, hi, hi, bro, where, where, where's this God you're talking about? He's like, I'm sending you. And immediately, verse 15, he said to him, please, Lord, how can I deliver Israel? You see, look at my family. I'm the weakest in Manasseh. I'm the youngest in my father's family. I'm a glitch. That's what he's saying. Like of all the households, like all the people in our town, we're that family. And in my household, I'm that kid, okay? Like I just, I would love to be normal, but I'm the glitch in the family is what he ultimately is saying. Verse 16, the Lord said to him, but I will be with you. He said, I will be with you, and you will strike down me down as if we we're one person. And that's how uh, the story comes to right there. What's interesting to me is we find Gideon, where is he in the beginning? He's in a wine press. And, and why is he in a wine press? Because if you go back to Judges chapter 6, verse 1, it's because of Israel's sin and shame. They've rebelled against the Lord. The Lord sends judgment. And now to hide, to protect himself, they become functional dysfunctionals, try to pretend like this is a new normal. He's threshing wheat in a wine press. Listen, that wine press, every time they talk about him at this point, it's a place of source of shame and guilt. It's that place like, oh, yeah, the wine press. He's like, I know. I know I was in the wine press. I know I was doing it because we sinned against the Lord because we're, I know, I get it. Like, it is a source of shame for him. It's a source that he's like, Vanellope, my sweet, like, I just don't, I want to be, like, let's not talk about the wine press. Do you have something like that in your life? That it's like, I'm just a glitch? I have that thing, man, I wish, I wish I didn't have, but I, it's, it's, it's in my closet. It's that thing hidden that I wish no one knew about. It's a thing that we sometimes find our identity wrapped up into that we wish it wasn't. Like, I wish I was not known as the glitch. I wish I was not whatever. And we sometimes think it's not a big deal, but let's be honest, those things sometimes are a big deal. Even in the uh, movie Wreck-It Ralph, this very thing disqualifies her from being able to race. Uh, show that next clip. I want to show you this. She'll be added to the race roster. Then gamers can choose her as their avatar. And when they see her glitching and then you're twitching and just being herself, they'll think our game is broken. We'll be put out of order for good. All my subjects will be homeless. But there's one who cannot escape because she's a glitch. When the game's plug is pulled, she'll die with it. Let, let's be honest. I mean, when it comes to our glitch, sometimes we want to pretend like maybe it's not a big deal, but the reality is our sin, our shame does separate us from God. It is an issue. That thing that we would hide, it is a source of shame and guilt that comes with us. You have that in your life? Let me ask you this. Do you, what is your wine press? You ever feel like you have that in your own life? Like, what is your glitch that you feel like you can't escape? Or, or that thing in your life that just makes you sometimes feel broken? Like, have anybody ever knew this about me? They would never think the same about me again. It's that one thing, like, I, I pray to God no one finds this area of my life because I could never show my face around those people again. For, for Gideon, that's his wine press. But the beauty of Gideon is it's a story of redemption, I said. 
So go to Judges chapter 7. I want you to see how it ends. Judges chapter 7, verse 24 through 25. It's one we read last week in case you uh, skimmed over it. Gideon does all the Lord has done. He's been through all these trials. He comes to a point, he follows the Lord's order, and he goes and wins this battle with 300 men. And you get to the very end, and look at verse 24 through 25. It said, Gideon sent messengers throughout the hill country of Ephraim with his message. He said, come down to intercept the Midianites and take control of the water courses ahead of them as far as Beth Barah and the Jordan. So all the men of Ephraim were called out and they took control of the water courses as far as Beth Barah and the Jordan. They captured Oreb and Zeb, the two princes of the Midianites. They killed Oreb at the rock of Oreb and Zeb at the winepress of Zeb while they were pursuing the Midianites. They brought the heads of Oreb Zeb to Gideon across the Jordan. The last place, the very ending of his trial where he finds victory is where? A wine press. I understand, the beginning of his story starts with the wine press of his sin and his shame. The end of his story comes back to God finding victory for Gideon in the wine press. Like it's a part of his story. Listen, Gideon can never escape. Like every time his kids get around, hey, hey, Grandpa, would you, would you tell us about the time whenever you defeat the Midianites? Like, where did it all start? Well, I was, I was in a wine press threshing wheat. Like, why were you in a wine press threshing wheat? Well, here's the thing. We sinned against the Lord. My sin and my shame was making me do something I should not want to do. And as he tells the whole story of everything God's brought him through, he cannot tell his story without finishing how God brought victory in a wine press. Like, listen, it started like this, but in the end, God redeemed this wine press. Do you understand? It went from a place where he did not want to talk about it, where his story is like, listen, my wine press is something I want everyone to know about. Like, God is good. Look what he did in my wine press. Like, for us, some of us like, like, listen, I had an addiction. If anybody ever knew about this addiction. It was something I hid from my family, hid from my friends, hid from everyone I loved, hid from everybody. And when it came out, listen, God redeemed me from that. And now I don't hide from my wine press. I want everyone to know about my wine press because God is the hero of my story. That, that is the picture of redemption. God redeems us in our wine press. Now, there's some misconceptions about redemption that we misunderstand because when it comes to redemption, we think if I give my life to the Lord, God will just take it away and it'll be gone. Like, it'll be done. I never have to mess with that again. And that's just not true about redemption. You see, the first thing I want you to see about redemption is this. When it comes to us, God sees our potential, not our problem. He comes to Gideon before he's even been redeemed in the wine press. And what do you say? Hey, mighty and valiant warrior. And Gideon's like, are you kidding me right now? Do you see what I'm doing right here? Can you imagine? Think about this. Your wine press, that place you wish no one, if God came to you in the middle of whatever you were doing right then and there, and God says, hey, man, you are loved child. You are amazing. And you're sitting there going, really? Like God sees us for our potential, not our problem. You see us all throughout Scripture. Think about King David. Everyone said, dude, that, that guy's just a runt. But God said, no, he's my king. That, that's going to be the king right there. You have Moses, who was a stutterer, he was a murderer, he killed someone, for goodness sake. And God comes and says, listen, you're going to be my voice, you're going to be my deliverer for my people. For Peter, he's erratic, he's a denier. Do you understand? Like, he was all over the place. He was the most inconsistent of all the disciples. He, he denied Christ in his darkest and worst moment, and God comes and says, listen, Peter, what? You're going to be my rock. <laughs> like, that does not describe Peter at all. Like Paul, he was a murderer. He was a persecutor of the church. And God says, let's guess what, Paul? You're going to be my chosen instrument. God sees us for our potential, not for our problem. 
And sometimes we can't see past our problem, can we? We can't see past our wine press, and God's like, listen, that's not who you are. In my hands, you're going to be something else. It's important for us to seek our identity in the Lord. My question for you is this, real quick, listen, or more of a thought. Finish this statement. According to God, I am what? According to God, I am According to myself, I'm something else. According to myself, I'm a loser, I'm a misfit, I'm a glitch, I'm someone that can never get out of my rut. I'm unlovable, I'm unlikable, I'm un- you name it. But according to God, I'm valued, I am treasured, I am a child of God, I'm adopted into the family. I have potential. God, God sees us for that. The second thing I want you to understand about redemption is this. God redeems us in our situation, not from it. And that's one that many people misunderstand. God redeems us in our situation, not from it. Understand, like, God does not remove the wine press from getting a story. He redefines the wine press in his story. Do you understand that? Too often we think, man, listen, I came out of this addiction with drugs, or I came out of this addiction of whatever, you name it is, and if God would ever redeem me, I would be delivered, and that would never be brought up again. No, when God redeems something, God wants to make that the key focal part of your story because God is the hero of that situation. He wants us to bring it up over and over. God doesn't change the context. He only changes the content that's there. Well, why does he do that? Why does God change the content but not the context? Because God wants to leave us in a world of darkness so that we can be the light. Hey, guys, I know you're in a wine press, but look at me. I'm not afraid of it because God has redeemed me, and he can do the same for you. And we sometimes miss that. Like every time you see in Scripture, God doesn't take them away from the wine press. He sends them back into the wine press. Do you understand that? Like, look at throughout Scripture. Think about this. Moses. Moses killed someone in Egypt. He fled from his family. And whereas God says, I need you to go back into Egypt. Do you get that? Like, no, no, hey, yeah, go to the other places. Like, I get it. Egypt sucks. Don't go there. He sends them right back in. Think of Peter. Peter's first sermon is where? In Jerusalem, the very place he was just a moment before saying, I don't know that, God. I don't know that. Jesus wanted nothing to do with him. And the first sermon he ever preached is in, on a hill in front of the people that he had just denied Christ in front of. I guarantee you people are sitting in that crowd like, dude, isn't that that guy that just yesterday was like, dude, I have, I, I get away from me, I don't know that guy? God immediately sent him right back in. Think of Paul. Paul becomes a messenger to the very people he was trying to kill. And sometimes we think, man, God redeems me. He's going to take it away. This won't be a part of my life. I'm going to have freedom. I'm going to be gone. When it's like God's like, no, I'm going to redefine that wine press for you. My question for you is this, like, are you running from your wine press? Are you running from the situation that God has redeemed? Can I tell you something? If you are, then maybe you truly haven't been redeemed from it yet. It's something to think about. My my last piece I want to hit home with this for you is is my most important, I think, of all. It's this, understand when it comes to redemption, redemption is God's story, not your secret. I'm going to say one time, redemption is God's story, not your secret. But what does that mean? Listen, let me just say this. Stories carry two functions. When, when I tell a story about hope, what God has done, it shares hope to other people who are struggling with the same thing I have before. My worst thing in life that I wish I could never talk about, God has redeemed me from, and I've told it over and over again, and can I tell you, there's a lot of people that have found the same victory I have because I've shared my story. It shares hope. Wait a second. You were, you were, you were doing this, and God did this? Yeah, and he can do it for you too. A story also does this. It keeps God the hero of the story. Do you ever have a way where you sometimes forget to tell a story, and as time goes on, that story suddenly changes? You ever had that? Where you went fishing uh, with some friends, and, and you reeled in this minnow that was like this, 
and then five years later, you caught the biggest marlin that's ever been caught. It was that big, right? You ever been in a situation like that? I'm the world's worst. I'll be honest. You talk to me, you're going to have to tailor back. <clears throat> Nearly every one of my stories is embellished a little bit, okay? Everyone. I'm just being honest. My wife has to reel me in often and say, eh, I don't think it was quite like that. We move farther and farther away from the truth the less it's told. And so we have to make a habit to constantly tell the story. Why? Because I need to not forget that God's the hero of my story. I don't want to talk about how, you know what, maybe it was my goodies. Maybe I did something right. Maybe I worked hard. No, no, God's the hero of my wine press, not me. And it needs to come out over and over again. Can I just say this? Listen, if you're not sharing your story, you're not living a redeemed life. Plain and simple. If you're not willing to go and tell people, hey, let me I'm going to tell you about my darkest part of my past. I want to tell you about my wine press. Then you're not living redeemed. You're still hiding something. You haven't found true victory in that. It's a hard thing. I'm going to tell you right now. And so my question for you is this. When's the last time you shared God's story? Think about that. In your own life, when's the last time you shared God's story? You talked about your sin, your shame, your muck, the whole mess up, and God was the hero. Like, listen, <laughs> I'm a total mess up. I'm a glitch. But, but God has redeemed it. The big idea, I said, is God redeems us in our glitch. I, I love the story of Wreck-It Ralph because, again, I said it's a redemption story. If you've never seen the ending, listen, I'm just I'm about to ruin it for you. I'm sorry. Get over it. But I love the ending because... Penelope von Schweetz gets redeemed in her glitch. Would you show that last clip? But I gotta say, the best part of my day is when I get thrown off the roof. Because when the nice landers lift me up, I get a perfect view of Sugar Rush. And I can see Penelope racing. Yes! The kid's a natural. And the players love her, glitch and all just like I knew they would. Turns out I don't need a medal to tell me I'm a good guy. Because if that little kid likes me, how bad can I be? I love that. Kids love her glitch and all. The thing that she thought, man, no one, no one would ever accept, no one would ever, like this very thing became a part of my story. It became the defining moment of my life that God used and was an amazing part of my situation. Let me ask you this. It's kind of my last question for you. What's your wine press? In all honesty, in your life, what is your wine press that you said, listen, I really, I don't want to tell people about this. Because if you're not willing and you're not going to, then you probably haven't experienced redemption in that situation. You've still got a little something that you just can't let go of, whether you haven't given it to the Lord or maybe you're still struggling in that same whatever it is. It can be an inadequacy you have where you don't feel good enough about yourself. Like, I'm just, man, I'm unlovable. People need to hear that. People need to hear how God can redeem you from that. Maybe it's an addiction you've had. Maybe it's, you struggle with God. Like, I can't help. Like, every time I go around, I feel like I have to talk bad about people. I just can't, like, it's just something I do. But God redeemed me from that. And now I share hope instead of destruction in the church and people's lives. Like, listen, God redeems us in our wine press. I love what Warren Wearsby said, and I know I've called him every week, but he has some good stuff. He said this, that the good news of the gospel is that we don't have to stay the way we are. Let me say it one time. The good news of the gospel is that we don't have to stay the way we are. The good news of the gospel is that the wine press doesn't always have to be the wine press. 
that can be the wine press. You know what I'm saying? And so my challenge, my reflection, my response to you is, what is your wine press and what do you need to do about that? Maybe for you, you spent years hiding. I did for 13 years of my life, man, hiding in my wine press, trying to pretend like it wasn't there. And it took God slapping me in the face and more or less my wine press getting exposed to everyone knowing what it is. God delivered me, brought me grace and hope. And listen, I'm, I'm, I'm not proud of what I've done, but I'm proud of what God's done in my wine press. And I will tell people over and over again because God has brought redemption, not just in my life, but other people's life. And he can do the same for you. And so if God's leading you to do something, we're going to have a little invitation. We're going to have some leaders over here that would love to come and help you and walk through you how you can be redeemed. Maybe you've never come to a point and given your life to the Lord Jesus Christ. Can I tell you something? That's the first place you have to start. You cannot do it anywhere else. Jesus Christ died on the cross for your sins so that you can live a redeemed life. If you are a child of God and you've put your hope and trust in Jesus Christ, can I tell you something? Listen, maybe you're living in such a way that you're scared to talk about your wine press. Maybe you need to come and give it all to the Lord today and say, listen, I, I've still been hiding this little 10% of my life. Okay. Maybe today some of you need to leave here and immediately call someone and say, listen, I need to tell you about my wine press. I haven't told you ever about my story. Maybe it's with your kids. Hey, guys, I've never told you about this side of mom or dad. <laughs> you may think it'd be different, but listen, God, God made me who I am today. He can do the same for you. Your kids need to hear that. And so I'm going to ask, if, that, if God's leading you, our leaders will be here, I'm going to pray for you in just a second. So with your heads bowed and your eyes closed, I'm going to ask if you would just, if God's leading you and you need prayer, you need someone to walk through, I, I'm going to ask you to get up and do that right now. If you're scared to go by yourself, man, take, take your spouse, take whoever with you, take kids, at, grab your parents' hands and say, hey, would you go with me? Don't be scared to do that. So your head bows, eye closed. I'm going to give you just a minute to pray and respond in whatever way you feel that. Don't let today go by and you ignore God's leading in your life. sermon is not one that makes us feel good, one that leads to change. So last call, if God's leading you, I'm going to encourage you one last time to get up, have courage, I know it's scary, and to make your way over there and allow these uh, people to pray for you and encourage you and walk you through what it means to be redeemed. Father God, you are good. God, I thank you so much for giving me victory in my wine press. God, I pray if I ever get ashamed to talk about it, I pray you convict my heart and my soul and make me realize that that, that is not my story, it's yours. And I just, you deserve to have me to tell as many people as possible. God, I pray people would come to our church and see a bunch of messed up people that have been redeemed. That would lead them to a point that would say, what is going on here? Point them back to you. God, let us be a redeemed church. God, I pray for our people, God. I pray you just, if someone's stirring, God, please don't let them leave this place without doing something about it. For those at home, God, I pray they'd find a way to respond. I pray they would reach out to one of our leaders this week and just uh, allow us to encourage them. God, you are good. God, I love you and praise you. Thank you for the account story of Gideon. Thank you for showing us what redemption really is. In Jesus' name I pray.